Welcome to Why Though. We're your hosts, Tiffany Bloom and Ashley Abercrombie. We land somewhere in between Mother Teresa and Biggie Smalls, and we're just wondering, why though? We all have questions, from our existential crisis curiosities to our, hey girl, why your eyebrows look so good though? And we want to tackle all of those questions with you. Welcome back to Why Though. Tiffany and I are so thrilled to hear that our new series, Adulting, is resonating with so many of you, especially last week's episode, Why God Doesn't Have Enemies, though. I received so many messages, and Tiffany received messages and comments and posts, and so we're so thankful that you guys are enjoying this. And we have a killer show for you today. But first, a story, because this show is called Why a Love for Generations is Adulting, though. And I think that's something all of us, especially young people, have to grow in as a love and understanding of generations. And truth be told, I think that can only happen with time. <laughs> the right. older you get, the more you appreciate the wisdom of the generations who have gone before you, the more understanding we have about the path that they have paved for us in the world. <laughs> you know, as you grow older, you start to really understand that. And I have a long history of serving and leading in the church. And I remember serving on an outreach team and I had empowered a very young leader. She was in her early 20s and our team was a generational team. So we had, you know, single women in their 60s and we had married couples who were in their 60s and 70s and we had people who were young little toddlers serving with their single mom and we had, you know, people of all ages, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s and it was awesome. It was such a beautiful team. And when I empowered this young leader, I remember listening to her speak to an, another woman on our team who was an older woman who most definitely could have been her mother, potentially her grandmother. And I will never forget the rude way that she ordered her to do something. Oh my <laughs> like, first of all, nobody is hired here. Okay. Like right. <laughs> all volunteers right. serving in the house of God. So we should never be treating people like employees. But the biggest thing for me when I pulled her aside and just gave her some little live coaching was just like, Hey, I want you to remember that this beautiful woman on our team could be your mother. And whether or not you have a good relationship with your mom, I don't know yet. We don't know each other like that yet, but I would love to explore that with you. But at the same time, we cannot treat the women who have gone before us as if their voice doesn't matter or as if we can boss them around like their children. We speak to them with respect. We speak to them with honor and we look to them as our teachers because they have gone before us. And it doesn't mean that we're underneath their feet or underneath some kind of hierarchy. It just means that we're going to show people mutual respect no matter their age, no matter their stage. And we are going to remember that as young people, that's part of our role in respecting and honoring the generations that have gone before us. And so we want to talk about that today. How do we relate to others of all ages, all stages? How do we cultivate a rich, diverse life where people are welcome to be in our space, no matter what stage of life they're in, what age they are, what thing they might be going through? How are we people who know how to help in a healthy way relate to others? Oh, I love that. And I think the same can be said not only of the generation that's gone before us, but the generation that's coming up after us. I, I get yeah. so discouraged when I hear someone just talk ill of the next generation or, oh, they're yes. just obsessed with their phones or, oh, they're just getting on their soapbox about X, Y, and Z. And it's like, I'm sure at one point in time you were obsessed with some cultural phenomena and totally. you too were on your soapbox <laughs> celebrating or raising the banner for whatever it is that moved you. Yeah. And when we uh, look at those who've gone before us and we look at those who are coming up uh, you know, below us and after us, it mm -hmm. is so dangerous to isolate. Again, it's this silo mm -hmm. mentality mm -hmm. of thinking, because you're like me, you're in my generation. And the crazy thing about um, even 
millennials, if you will, is millennials covers way too much ground. It's like it 1980 does. to 1995. I'm a but I can't relate to people in their 20s. <laughs> no, are you kidding me? I believe you were born in 1980, right? 1980? 81. 81. Yeah, okay. right on the cusp. Uh-huh. Right. Okay. <laughs> so you didn't have a phone probably till college. No. And Correct. My senior year in high school. That's yeah. Oh, there one. you go. There you go. Your yeah. senior year in high school. And then someone born in 1995, like they had an iPad with by the time they were five years old. Like, right. It was just a different, it's a different day. So even yeah, comparing within our generation can be so dangerous because it is... It feels so good in the flesh to put yourself up above someone else, just like that volunteer did to that sweet, sweet older woman. And it's just mortifying when we elevate ourselves at someone else's expense. It's abuse of place. It's an abuse of place wherever you're at. I think um, it's just, it it, it does more damage than we'd like to admit. I remember I spoke at a conference years ago. It was a church conference for a church in the Northwest. And uh, one of their other speakers um, was just talking about youth today and just tearing them down. And I remember thinking, um, this isn't helpful. Like this isn't, this mm. isn't softening hearts to hear your message of love mm. and kindness mm-hmm. and reconciliation and forgiveness when you are just tearing down those who are different than you, whether you're jealous, yeah. whether you don't understand, where right. it's coming from, I don't know. But when you project that into the world, we push other people away. That's that's not that's not building a bridge. That's lighting it on fire. It's lighting yeah. it on fire. It's so true. I remember doing the James Bible study with Beth Moore, one of her Bible studies that has videos and the five-day homework every week Mm -hmm. for like a period of weeks. And she was talking about how through Jesus, family gets restored. And she's talking broadly in the sense of, yes, blood family, but also the larger sense of family. And she was tracking through the life of Jesus where he was raised by his parents for the first 30 years of his life. And then he spends all this time like cultivating a love for the house of God. And even when he's young, when he's 12, they can't find him. He's in the temple. So he's like building family being people who do the will of God outside of his own family and then as his death comes to a close his mom like he grabs his mom as he's going to the crucifixion and he grabs John yeah and then he says hey you two like this is your mother and so he he joins them together and then post that you see like his brother James who wasn't formerly a Christian becomes a Christian and so you see God showing how blood family is redeemed and restored and those who are in the will of God are redeemed and restored and even people that we might not agree with that we might not look like people that have different political ideals, people who have different religious beliefs, there is an interconnectedness for which we are all created to do life together because we are all made in the image of God. And so we have to journey toward that end. So I really love what you're saying. It's so important that we really understand like what it means to respect one another and to honor each other because we're all in this thing together. Okay. Life is hard for everybody. Are you kidding me right now? Yeah. In that (laughs) vein, I love that you shared that, Ashley. One of the things I often do when I find myself in a new situation with new people that I've never met, of especially if they're a lot older or a lot younger, I place myself as a member of their family. For example, if I mm. am, and again, Ashley and I, we speak for a living and write books, and so we're constantly in front of crowds where we may not know everything about them, we may not know their stories individually, um, but we're there to serve them collectively. And so I'll often look at these women in the room, and if they're, let's say, in their 60s, I'm like, okay, this is this is an auntie. 
or yeah. if they're in their 70s or 80s i'm this i'm a grandbaby to them yeah. Yeah. or if it's some sweet old men i remember um a church i was on staff at uh the pastors would rotate and have to lead early morning communion on sundays and hmm. it was mostly white hairs that showed up to that gathering at <laughs> eight in the morning and it wasn't it was just a truly a a really really small group and I absolutely loved it and I'm mm. confident they were a fan of me by the end of it uh, mm. but really just taking the time to honor them and not blow past it because it wasn't my ideal people group and it wasn't my ideal crowd but truly taking the moment to honor them um, as a brother and sister in Christ but also as an uncle and as an auntie and and making it feel more like family regardless that i didn't know them that well i mean i did know the people who were um yeah uh at the community each week but i didn't know you know everything about them in that 20 minute communion time we spent together right. but they were diehards showing up um to remember the blood and remember the body and it was just such a beautiful reminder that we're all in this together like yes. when he died for us he died for all of us of all generations yes. of everything that we would be passionate about. Now, here's where um, Ashley and I were really, really hot on talking about this is because with every generation comes uh, cultural events and losses and gains that very much mark that generation. And again, yeah. you could really split millennials into two, and we'd like to be in the, the first group, not the second. <laughs> if you will, if you will. Um, What's the name that they're giving that first group? It's like 1980 to 1986 or 1987. What do we get that? I, I think can't we remember what it is. It's, like a, it's a weird name. Like, does it have an X in it? I don't I, remember. It's something strange. Xennial? <laughs> Xennial, you're right. It's Xennial. Yeah. Yes. That's right. I yep. would like to, you know, I know it's not a mainstream term yet, but I feel like we're on our way. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> with the advances made these days, it's just going to. It's going to be even more wild as the days go on. Yep. However, but with the various events marking um, marking time, you can see why some generations have a propensity to say or do the things they do. You know, you look at the builder generation. These are people who, um, they sent their husbands to war. They sent their sons to war. They were mandated to ration what they had and to keep everything and think about how it could be reused. And then they... they are the ones who birthed those baby boomers. Yeah. And so those boomers have a little bit of that, but then they're in such a fruitful economy that it turns into more of acclimating stuff and things, not not for fear that you're going to go without, but simply because that was the home they grew up in. But now they're in a society that isn't facing war. It isn't facing the same kind of losses. I know we have the Vietnam War there, so I'm not I'm not negating that. But, but it isn't the same in the sense of um, physical and material loss stateside, yeah. uh, especially if you're in the States. I guess this is very um, concentrated to what I'm thinking about, but generations of all and all over the world. So they, they have a different experience and of what every generation has a different experience of what they think they deserve as far as respect, as far as material possessions, as far as how other people should treat them. Right. And it's not identical. So being able to see someone and think, oh, they just want to call the shots or, oh, they don't understand how hard it really is. Both of those, again, they don't build a bridge. They stereotype and yes. they minimize the other's lived experience and willingness to get to know where you're coming from. Right. 
I think that's really the key right there. And, and that requires so much humility, right? Like you actually have to lay down your pride and your assumptions and all of your judgments and to walk in humility, to be able to relate to other generations and relate to people and not assume you know everything. <laughs> like, yeah. I think that's where we really go wrong is that we assume because they're in this box or because they're this age or because they're this type of worker or this type of person, then they must check all these boxes. And we we put them there and we don't allow the nuance of life yep. and the opportunity for um, an impartation to happen between people. And I know for me, connectedness is one of my highest goals. I'm like, how can I remain connected to the people around me? And what I'm mean by that is this beautiful reciprocity. What am I imparting and what are they imparting to me? And some of that we have to be wise with, of course, having good boundaries and reminding yourself you don't have to take everything that's given to you. So I'm not speaking as if we should take everything that's offered to us. But I am saying that in every exchange, there is an opportunity for us to receive and an opportunity for us to give. And yes, I remember my mom modeling this so beautifully growing up because um, like our our paper boy and his mom on the route growing up. So they delivered our papers every day. And at lunchtime, I think I've talked about this before on one of our episodes, but at lunchtime, she would invite them in for sandwiches. And I just remember Mm. them talking and dialoguing and just thinking like, wow, she didn't look down on them. You know, um, she didn't think like, oh, this is just my, my paper man, you know, like, or this is just that mom that delivers papers with her boy. It's like, no, she brought them into our home and just like was open to conversation and dialogue and just treated them like everybody else. And that extended all the way across every person like I remember her treating the principal of our high school the exact same way she would treat someone who really had no reputation really had no role in society like if it was the janitor she spoke to them the same way that she spoke to the principal do you know so I think that's something there's something to that level of connectedness where we understand it doesn't matter how powerful you are or aren't that we all have value and we all have a contribution to make and we don't age out of the kingdom of god you know there's no come on um, age limits it's not like when you become 90 suddenly you've aged out or when you're five you have nothing to offer us in the kingdom it's like no can we stop being extreme about this can we stop putting the focus on this these young ones who can come up you know the up-and-coming young ones like you know what like good for that that's great but can we also have all the other lists too (laughs) (laughs) because we all have something to give (laughs) amen so well said and i think you really hit on entitlement there of yeah whether it's the janitor or whether it's the principal we feel entitled to treat people a certain way based right. on how much love and care we think they deserve yeah and that is not of Christ that is not the love of God that is not right. represent the fruit of the spirit and we lose out, right? Right. We lose out when we rob people of their dignity. Yeah. And you know, this Come very on. much applies Woo, to Tiffany, that was so good. I don't mean to stop you, but like, yes, we are robbed. Come on. Yeah. That's a whole thing to think about. Thank you for sharing that. That is like life changing for people. And obviously that applies to racial tension, class tension, yeah, come on. any sort of yes. socioeconomic tension. But when we yes. are unwilling to recognize the dignity and human value in another just because we think they need it or don't need it, um, yeah. it's disastrous for both parties. Yes, disastrous for both parties. We both lose out on it growth is. and we both lose out on connection. Can yes. you unpack a little more um, th- this idea of how entitlement plays into how we treat other generations? Sure. I mean, I think what entitlement boils down to, um, maybe somebody out there listening can message us if you think differently, or Tiffany, please add to this. But for me, what I've always seen it as is me um, assuming what I deserve 
and then holding people accountable to give me that. And Ooh, so that's good, I find yeah. that when I mm. when I think I deserve something and I don't get it, then I deserve to be angry about it or I deserve to withhold love or generosity because I didn't get what I thought that I should get. Um, and I think sometimes that's what happens between us as people. That can happen on a peer level. It can certainly happen in corporate structures or in yeah. um, nonprofit organizations where there's you know exchanges of power. It can happen between the generations. But we all have this idea of this is what I deserve. I'm yeah. showing up here to get this paycheck and this is what I deserve on the job. And if I don't get it, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. And we start to withhold and we start to, you know, live in a very stingy way. We start to um, get judgy, to be honest. We just start judging people more harshly because we're not getting what we deserve. And we do this in faith settings. We do this in our workplace. We do this in mommy meetups. We do this mm-hmm. in our college spaces. Like, So I think entitlement is a really big deal. And I think one way we can combat that, again, is with humility. Because when yeah. I come to every situation, and I think to myself, nobody owes me anything. And Tiffany, you said this so beautifully. You were talking about that passage in Romans, but oh, no man, but to love him. Like when yeah. I show up somewhere, nobody owes me anything. And so I'm here to be myself. I'm here to bring the thing that God brought to me. And then I'm going to manage my expectations because I cannot control <laughs> and, I, and people can't read my mind. And so if they don't give me what I think I deserve, then how am I going to respond to that? Um, what kind of conversations need to happen? What kind of dialogue needs to be um, in engaged in in order for us to both have healthy reciprocal expectations of the moment or the meeting or the exchange or the relationship. I think it's just really important for us to think about that. But when we think we deserve something and we don't get it, I find that we become, you know, very yucky people just to to make it simple. It's just gross. We get gross. We really do. (laughs) Our entitlement points to our expectations. Yes, it does. And the expectations that are self-serving. Come on. Uh, no, we're always going to be unhappy. We're always going to talk poor about other generations if we are yeah. so consumed uh, with what we think we deserve in life. So consumed with it. Especially, yep. you know, if you're young and you wanted someone older to, to treat or or care for you in a particular way and it didn't happen, mm-hmm. yep. and you project that onto everyone who's 20 to 40 years older than you, you Come know? On now. And just like you said to that gal at the beginning, it was such a good example. You said, I don't know your relationship with your mom, yeah. but how this is playing out would make me wonder, you know, like, yeah. mm-hmm. is this something there that we need to talk about? But yeah. for right now, I'm going to invite you to respect her. Yes. And I think um, it's so easy to do that, isn't it? It's easy it to write off the kid who was just a bratty kid at the trampoline park who's 15 and blocked your five-year-old and you're like all 15 year olds on tiktok are dead to me you know it's just i know i'm just giving blanket examples but that might have how i felt yesterday at the trampoline park which by the way don't go to a trampoline park on a day that every kid has the day off nationwide yeah, that's because a, that's a, you will that's a good thing to remember i just want to say it was not it was not my favorite day might have might have been grinding my teeth a little just a little and 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 the snack shack did not serve coffee come on what I'm sorry about it that makes no sense it's like all I'm those jumping. parents i need the coffee to, well i'm not jumping i'm watching my kids jump even worse i gotta be honest so i really wanted God. to get out there i just have to say this is important Talk about something that all generations should do. At this particular trampoline park, they have a dodgeball area where you each have your own trampoline and then there's a little bit of a net and all the balls. And so you can just like go for it. And it looks like the funnest thing I've ever seen in my life. And I told my husband, oh my I'm gosh. like, we should get a bunch of people 
Yeah, ages. grown people. So fun. Grown people. <laughs> Maybe have a margarita beforehand. I'm not sure. And then, <laughs> and then go play dodgeball. Oh Particularly gosh, dressed up in 80s workout gear. Yes. And I'd like oh to see gosh. some sweatbands. Jane Fonda for life. I'm here Jane for this. For this life. sounds amazing. Those are some high thigh <laughs> <laughs> spandex. I don't know if I can do it. Oh, thank God the, na- the 90s are done. Bless it. <laughs> I mean, the 90s gave us a lot of good things. But we those did, but were not one of swimsuits them. were not one of them. Do you know, like, <laughs> belted French cut swimsuits. I mean, I just found this photo of me the other day, and I was like, why? Not only was it belt, it was, it was black with a yellow belt. It was very, very high cut, French cut on the sides, and then it had three buttons down the front. Like, and <gasps> the I'm like, buttons. 10. I totally I mean, forgot what? about the buttons. It was out of control. I'm like, who did this to us? You are so wrong. <laughs> and you just picked it up at the Walmart and mm-hmm. thought, oh, I'm sure. Know. I'm sure. I bet you felt like also, hot I want to circle back to one thing that. you said. Honestly, I did. I really thought I was cute, uh, but looking at the photo, I wasn't. It okay. wasn't cute. Is this also the photo? Was this also the era of those sideburns? Because why the listeners? Oh, yes, it was. Oh, I actually had sideburns had for sideburns. my whole life almost. Oh, my gosh, guys. Because I had the thickest hair and nobody knew how to help me manage it. My mom right. did because her hair is like twice as thick as mine. But we just cut sideburns because like I have less hair to fix. Like, <laughs> And I'm not joking. That's really why we did it. <laughs> Okay. National tragedy. Sorry. Okay, I'll back, back very quickly because I think you really hit on something that's extremely important for relating. Because if you did not receive what you felt like you should receive, and you said it so well, Tiffany, maybe it was from a parent or it was from a grandparent or a teacher or a coach or a friend, then if we are not careful, we can begin to um, hold that inside of us, internalize that. It becomes sort of bitterness, a bitter root, and we begin to expect things from people who owe us nothing. Yeah. So we may go into our next classroom and think this professor needs to you know fix all the things you didn't get and they owe you this this and this or we might do that to a pastor or a ministry leader or a mentor or we could do that to someone else in our workplace a peer who should treat us differently mm-hmm. or has to fill that void that has been created by another person and i think it's really important for us to do that hard soul work so that we can show up um, clean at each encounter and it doesn't mean we won't have things to work through like sometimes I totally get triggered in relation relating to others 100% but now I'm able to have the tools to go wait a minute I'm at a 10 about something that is most definitely a 2 where is this stemming from why am I so triggered right now what do I need to do to focus in and recognize that this person is not that person yeah. <laughs> and we can yeah. have our own clean encounter together and even if I'm triggered I can work through that so I, yeah. I really appreciate that you shared that because I do think that is one of the the biggest hindrances to interconnectedness is our expectations of others to fulfill the voids or heal the wounds of our past yeah and most of us are consistently in environments where we are exposed and engaging with those who were born in a different generation than us the likelihood of that happening is pretty high if you're going to work or if you're going to church or wherever you spend your even the gym i don't know wherever you go um, there's likely other people who aren't from the same generation and yes. this idea that um, they don't have value because they're older or you just think they're dum-dums because they're younger. Yeah. Um, I fall into this. Ashley and I are not talking about this issue from a place of perfection. Right. We are talking about this issue from a place of honesty and vulnerability yes. that when we find ourselves um, willing to put up a barrier between someone else because they uh, represent a different generation, it is on us, not on them, to fix that. Yeah, It is Come not on. on the other person to fix this uh, 
broken way of thinking in us. It is on us to lean in and build a bridge. When you think of the body of Christ, you think of old and young. Yeah. You think of every skin tone. Yes. You think of every man and every woman yeah. and every child and everybody. Yeah. Everybody has a place. If we believe that everyone has a place, we must live and speak, engage, and commune like everyone has a place. Come on. Amen, sister. Why the listeners, thank you so much for joining us this week. What an incredible episode. And we can't wait to hear your feedback. And we'll see you right back here next week. Bye-bye. Hey, listeners. Remember to subscribe and comment. It helps others to find the show. To learn more about Tiffany's writing, speaking, or books, visit TiffanyBloom.com. To learn more about Ashley's writing, speaking, or books, visit AshAbercrombie.org. See you next week.